For the uh, last few weeks here, we've been working on a uh, series through, uh, just talking about prayer. And before we jump in, let's, we should probably pray. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that are soft. God, to hear your, uh, the whispers of your spirit this morning. God, I pray that you would help us to receive whatever you want us to receive today. And uh, pray, God, for your grace and your glory and your power over this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We began uh, this series on prayer by talking uh, about how prayer really does change things. Uh, That prayer can radically change situations. It can radically change us. It can radically change Uh, people around us, that prayer really can change the story, Uh, that if you think the story of your life is going this way and there's no hope, prayer all throughout the scriptures and so many testimonies in our church really does make a difference. And it's uh, odd sometimes that we don't pray more than we do, considering how much God works through prayer. And so one of the first messages we did, we tackled some of the things that kept us from praying more. And, and more specifically, that first message, we talked a lot about sort of that thing that we say, uh, well, God's will is always done, uh, therefore why pray? You know, if God's just going to do what he's going to do, then why do I have to pray? And we uh, showed that all throughout the scriptures, uh, that God's will is not always done. And so just to say that, well, God's just going to do what he's going to do, and God's will is always done, is actually, all through the scriptures, we see that God's will is not always done. And because God is a sovereign God, there's uh, certain things that he is going to do, whether we engage or not, whether we pray or not, there are certain things that God is going to do, whether we're involved or not. But a lot of life, and a lot of the way God has wired this world, because God's a relational God, as we talked about, God often wants to partner with us. So God has a desire, God has a will in your life or in this church or in this community, and, and he, he wants to see it happen, but he's waiting for someone to partner with him. And we looked at lots of different verses where we see that in the scriptures, where God is saying, who will go for us, and, and you know, who's going to stand in the gap? We see this basically even in the Lord's Prayer, where it says, uh, Jesus teaching us how to pray, it says that we're to pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That, that we're actually be praying for God's will to be done. Now, if God's will were always done, this prayer would, doesn't make sense. The only way this makes sense is that, that God has wired this world that when we pray, because uh, God wants to work through people, that allows God's will to flow. Again, there are cases where God's going to do what he's going to do, but there's a lot of cases where God chooses to work through prayer. And if you want to see God's will done more in your life, in this church, in your community, in your workplace, then you need to be praying. If you don't want to see God's will done in your life, just just stop praying. Then you're just not going to see it happen. It opens a door for God's will to take place. We also, uh, last week, began to talk about unanswered prayer. Because we all know the joys of seeing a miracle, uh, of seeing God do something amazing through prayer. But we also know the pain of unanswered prayer. When we're praying for something that, that just seems that, that this is what God would want or, and it doesn't happen, we struggle sometimes with the pain of unanswered prayer. And sometimes we fall into the trap of, of blaming God or getting angry at God 
or thinking God isn't actually fully a loving God because he didn't answer my prayer. And we talked a lot about the character of God and how often uh, we can pick the character of God two ways. Some people do it this way. My experience of suffering plus my unanswered prayer equals who God is. Because I've suffered, because God's not answering my prayer, God must be like this. He's just kind of sort of half-loving God. He's only loving sometimes. He only cares about me maybe when I'm a really good boy, and that's it. People base their who God is often on their own experience. And we talked about that's not how we're supposed to base who God is. And we find out who God is perfectly in Jesus. Jesus came to reveal to us who the Father is. Jesus wasn't just 90% God or 99%, and there's this other 1% out there that, you know, is just different. Jesus is 100% God. So if we know what Jesus is like, we know what God is like. And so if we find ourselves being bitter and angry about God, if it doesn't line up with the character of Jesus, then we know we're off. And so we looked at some of these verses like um, the fact that God looks like Jesus. And if you want to know what God is like, then you look to Jesus. Uh, John 14, Jesus said, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So how do we know who God is? How do we know what he's like? We look to Jesus. And if your view of God does not line up with Jesus, there's something something off. Uh, John chapter 1, the one and only Son who is himself God. And is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Who has made God known? Who has made the character of God known? Jesus has made the character of God known. Colossians 1, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Again, how do we know what God is like? We're struggling with answered prayer. We're struggling with what his character is like. How can we figure out what he is like? We look to Jesus because he is the exact image of God. All the fullness, Colossians 2 says, of the the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Not just 99%. Not just 90%. To see Jesus is to see God. To know God, uh, to know Jesus is to know God. And so if you're wrestling with the character of God because God isn't answering your prayers or you can't figure out why your prayers aren't being answered, just look at the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus and God's character is most clearly revealed on the cross. As he hung on the cross for us, dying for us, while we are still enemies. This is the character of God. And one of the important texts we looked at last week in Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And it was the definitive revelation of who God is found in Jesus. And we talked about having a, a, a... a, Christ, a Christological kind of theology where our theology flows through Jesus because he is the only perfect, absolute revelation of the Father. As verse 3 says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And we looked at this quote uh, from Greg Boyd. Our understanding of God, ourselves, and the world cannot be derived from our experience our independent philosophizing, or even our interpretation of the Bible apart from Christ. If we take our cue about these things from any other source other than Christ, we will stay under the bondage of the serpent's lie. We will misconstrue God, ourselves, and the world. Our picture of God must be centered unequivocally and unwaveringly on Jesus Christ. 
And we challenged ourselves that if there is any bitterness in our hearts because of unanswered prayer, if we've been pulling away, we've been not reading our scripture or loving Jesus or worshiping God with whole hearts because we're bitter, to focus your eyes on Jesus because that's who we know who God is. And we also, just a long review here, uh, talked about uh, that we need to stay away from simplistic answers when it comes to unanswered prayer. Sometimes there's simplistic answers like, well, the reason your prayer's not answered is, well, because God's will is always done, it must not be God's will. And we looked at, there are actually a lot of reasons why your prayers aren't answered, and it's not always God. Uh, in fact, there are nine. If you look at the scriptures, you'll find there are nine variables of unanswered prayer, and we don't always know which one it is. And so we need to be very careful about blaming God when it actually could be one of the other eight or a mix of the other eight variables. And these are going to be what we're going to be working through actually through the next uh, few weeks. Uh, today we're going to talk about God's will. So the nine variables are God's will. Another variable is the faith of the person being prayed for. Uh, it could be the faith of the person or group praying. It could be the number of people praying. Uh, the issue of persistence of prayer the presence of sin, human free will, demonic world, and the number and strength of angels and demons all scripturally pray, uh, play a role in whether our prayers are answered or not. And so again, we need to be very careful just assuming, well, because my prayer is not answered, it must be God's will. Actually, there are other variables. It may be uh, God's will is actually one of the most important variables in all of this, but it may be that you're blaming God when actually it's another thing going on. And I'll just illustrate uh, one clear story of this in Matthew 17. It said, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? So the disciples come across this boy who is demon-possessed, and they try to cast out the demon. They're praying, God, would you deliver this demon from this boy? They're trying to cast out the demon and their prayer was not answered. Now, was it God's will for this boy to be delivered of this demon? Obviously, because Jesus rebuked them for not uh, actually being able to do it. I mean, God's not up there saying, I'm so happy that boy is demon possessed. This is exactly what I want. I mean, obviously, this was not God's will. The disciples prayed and their prayer was not answered. The reason it wasn't answered had nothing to do with, well, I mean, God's will was for it wasn't answered. The reason it was not answered wasn't God's will. God was for it. The reason was, Jesus tells us in this case, because you have so little faith. That's one of the variables we're going to talk about next week. So just because your prayers aren't answered, again, you don't automatically blame God. Sometimes things are God's will. You're actually praying for it, but there's another variable which keeps your prayer from being answered, and there's nine of them. And today we're going to look at the most important one, and that is God's will. Out of the nine, this is one of the most important when it comes to whether your prayers are answered or not, is whether it is God's will or not. And we see this in some texts. First uh, John 5, 14, pretty darn clear. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And so if we pray according to his will, his, his ear is open. He's saying, this is great. If we pray according to his will, meaning if we pray not according to his will, he's not going to be open to it. James 4. Listen, who, uh, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you who do uh, not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a midst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so again, God's will is, is a huge part of whether, obviously, prayer is answered or not. Or James 4. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And again, if you pray for something that's according to God's will, he hears if. If it's just something that's super selfish, like, God, I want 20 Porsches in my yard by 6.59 tomorrow a.m. sharp, it's probably not going to happen, right? It's just spending, you know, our prayers on our pleasures. God's will plays a role. Now, within this, theologically, uh, I mean, there's lots of debate around how exactly uh, God's will works or not, but we need to take in perspective what would be called God's ideal will and then his accommodating will. That God often uh, always has an ideal will, but because of the fallenness of humanity and our sinfulness, sometimes God cannot carry out his ideal will. He has to carry out what is called his accommodating will. And so when we pray, God may have an ideal will, but because of our sinfulness and what's going on around us, he may say, you know what, the best thing here is actually my accommodating will, not my ideal will. A couple examples. 1 Samuel 8. This is Israel. God had been their king, and they want a human king. So they say, give us a king to lead us. This is uh, displeased Samuel, who's the prophet. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. God's ideal will was for him to be king over the people of Israel. But because of their sinfulness, they wanted to be like other nations. And it goes on. It says, the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And God didn't say, well, I only want my ideal will done. They can only have me as a king. He, because of their sinfulness, decided to carry out an accommodating will. And he actually says, the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. His ideal will is that God was going to be king over them, not a human king, but because of the sinfulness and human free will, he accommodates the situation and says, my accommodating will is, okay, let's pick a king. And he actually picks the king. His name was Saul. And so there's God's ideal will, because of the messiness of the world, sometimes he carries out his accommodating will. Another example would be uh, Paul's thorn in the flesh. Uh, Paul says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago, and that's, that's, that's heaven. Whether I was in the body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. He had this, this miracle happen, whether he was transported like, like Philip or it was a vision, he wasn't quite sure. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So it's just this incredible, mind-blowing, miraculous experience that Paul had. 
And it goes on and says, even though I have received such wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. And so he's got this messenger from Satan who is tormenting Paul. And there's great theological debate on whether this is a sickness or it is persecution. And I don't know if we'll ever solve that because there's lots of arguments on both sides. But either way, it doesn't so matter because either way, this was something Paul didn't like. Either way, it hurt Paul and he didn't like it. So what does he do? What do you do when you have something going on you don't like? You pray. And he prays. It says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And I don't think this was like three quick prayers, but probably three seasons of prayer and fasting. We were saying, God, take away this persecution or take away the sickness, whatever, whatever it was, whatever this pain was. And God does not answer the way he wants. Each time God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God didn't take it away. Now, I would think God's ideal will is not for people to be persecuted, and God's ideal will is not for people to be sick and diseased. I mean, uh, we know in heaven there's not going to be no sickness, no disease, no persecution. That's God's ideal will. But God doesn't bring about his ideal will in this situation. He brings about his accommodating will. Why? Paul tells us here, to keep me from becoming proud. He has this messenger from Satan, and he says again, to keep me from becoming proud. Because of Paul's pride, God says, I'm not going to heal this or take away the persecution. Now, I believe if God, uh, if he didn't struggle with pride or if he didn't have an issue there, he probably would have been healed. I think God's ideal would have been carried out. But because of our fallenness and sinfulness, sometimes God carries out his accommodating will rather than his ideal will. And so something just to really complicate prayer, okay? <clears throat> All right. Uh, we want to talk more so because as we go through this series on unanswered prayer, we don't want it to be super negative. We want to learn how to pray better. So as we learn about these nine variables of unanswered prayer, each of these, we're going to learn how to pray better in each. And that way, we are going to see a lot more answered prayer. So how can we pray more in alignment with God's will? Because if it's according to God's will, it says he hears us. If it's not according to his will, it's just never going to happen, okay? If it's according to his will, man, real good chance it can happen. It's not. So how do we pray in alignment with God's will? Here's a few thoughts. Pray scripturally. We need to be praying for the things the Bible actually commands us to pray for. Do you know there are a number of places where God actually commands us to pray for certain things? Now, if God actually commands us to pray for certain things, then it's a pretty good chance it's probably his will, right? I mean, God's not a God who wants to waste. He's not going to give us commands that are just like not his will. I mean, his commands are his will. And so if we can find out where these places where he commands us to pray and we start praying into those commands, we know they're according to his will and we're going to see more answered prayer. Uh, so here's some of the things that God commands us to pray for. We can look at the Lord's Prayer. Now we're to be praying that God's name be kept holy in our lives, in our church, in our community. We're to be praying that his kingdom would come. Again, we're to be praying that his will be done. The more you pray for God's will to be done, the more you're going to see his will to be done. We're to be praying for our needs, our daily needs. We're to be praying that we would have this amazing, gushing heart of forgiveness, that no matter how people hurt us, that we're just so overflowing with the grace of Jesus and his forgiveness as he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing, that we would just, we would just flow forgiveness. We would be praying for that. 
We're to be praying that we would not fall into temptation. We're to be praying that we're to be kept from the evil one. Is that something you pray for every day, that, God, you keep me from the evil one? Because Satan is a roaring lion looking around for someone to devour. And if you're not praying this prayer, which God commanded us to pray, I mean, you're just opening yourself up to attacks from the enemy. So this is a good good prayer model for you. If you start praying more in line with this, you will just automatically see more answered prayer. Uh, This is kind of an odd one, but we're actually commanded to pray for our governments. Not just complain about them, right? Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, and he says, first of all, first of all, this is not like down the list. First of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. We're actually commanded to pray for our governments. Meaning that falls in line with God's will. In other words, when we start praying for our governments, that's in line with God's will, and there's a good chance stuff's going to happen. I mean, do you spend more time complaining about the government or praying for the government? I think if Christians started praying more than complaining more about this, I think we might see more stuff happen. But this is in line with God's will. Matthew 5, I say, love your enemies, and he commands us to pray for those who persecute us. Man, we all have those people who just rub us the wrong way, who tick us off a little bit, who are just different than us, and we just have a We're commanded to pray for them, meaning that God works through that. I mean, are you praying for those who are rubbing you the wrong way? Are you praying for those who are persecuting you? Because God's will is for that prayer. You will see more answered prayer if you pray that way. Uh, Luke chapter 2, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray. Another command. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Man, Jesus is so amazing. He transforms lives. And it's so beautiful to see when someone opens their life up to Jesus to see how they're changed. But I mean, there are a lot of people who need the work of Jesus in them. And we're to be praying that God would send more people with a passionate, on-fire heart for God into this community to, to, to share Jesus. This is a prayer that God's will is behind. I mean, are we praying for this? I mean, again, we pray into these things. We are going to see more answered prayer. Matthew 26, another command to pray. Keep watch and pray so that you'll not give into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Where do you find yourself being tempted? The little sins that keep popping up and you keep trying to hammer them down. I mean, Jesus actually commands us to pray. That we would not fall into temptation. That is in line with God's will, meaning God works through those prayers. Again, the more we pray according to the commanded prayers of the Bible, the more answer the prayer we will see. A few more. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. Again, this is a command. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, we are actually commanded to take our anxieties. The things that you're worried about, you're stressed out about, that are out of your hands or out of your control, we are commanded to take those and to lay them at the feet of Jesus in prayer. And that's in line with God's will. Meaning, the more you do that, the more answered prayer you're going to see. The more you're going to see that anxiety just lifting off your life. Uh, James 5, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. 
Again, God's not a God who wants you to waste time. He wants you to be a wise steward with your time. He doesn't say this because prayer is a waste of time because he's just going to do his will no matter what we do. No, because prayer really makes a difference. And if you're going through hardship, you need to be in prayer. It can change the story. Here's another command. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's actually a command. That God commands us to be praying for each other when we're sick. That we be praying for healing for one another. In other words, this lines up with, with God's will for us to be praying for these things, which means it somehow lines up that God has a heart for healing. And I want to talk just really briefly on this because, I mean, it, in this situation, it's one of those situations where we often base our theology not on the Bible, but on our experience. You know, a lot of people today say, you know, God doesn't heal anymore. Or God doesn't heal. It's just really, really rare that God heals. That is not based on biblical theology. That's based on experience. There is no way you can look at the Bible and come up with a theology that says God doesn't heal anymore or God isn't really into healing. In fact, let me take you on a brief journey just through one gospel to look at, again, how do we know what God's heart is? We look at Jesus. Jesus is the definitive revelation of who God is. And let's just look at Jesus' heart when it comes to healing. And I'm not going to even look at individual healings here. I'm just going to look at when Jesus healed a lot of people. And we know there's lots of little individual healing. Let's ch check this out to see what God's heart for healing is. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Uh, Matthew 4, 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Matthew 8, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out uh, the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Matthew 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, Matthew 12, 15, a large crowd followed him and he healed all who were ill. Uh, Matthew 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed they're sick. Matthew 14, people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Matthew 15, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Matthew 19, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. In Acts 10, as the apostles summarized Jesus' ministry, he says, Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. You know, there was not one person who came to Jesus who was not healed. Every time someone came to Jesus and asked for healing, Jesus healed him. Now, we're not going to get into the debate today whether God's will is always for healing or not. That's for another time. But you have to come to the conclusion that God's heart is for healing. 
That God's heart is to see people healed. There's no way if you just take your blinders off of experience and just read the scriptures that you can come to any other conclusion that God has a heart for healing. And in fact, he commands us again in James 5.16 that we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That we really should be praying more for each other when we're not doing well. That if you're sick, or you're just not feeling well, there's something not working right in your, don't leave from here without being prayed for. It may be that God heals you. It may be that, I mean, it's the idea of persistence of prayer. I mean, we know that it doesn't always happen in that instant, but this is something God actually commands us to be praying for each other because God has a heart for healing. So uh, pray in the areas where the Bible actually commands us to pray. Point number one. Point number two if we want to pray more in line with God's will, follow examples of how people prayed in the Bible. Uh, a lot of the people, we see examples of prayer in the Bible. In fact, in your bulletin, I actually put an insert in of all the different prayers throughout the New Testament. And, and some of you are like, you know, I have a hard time praying for 10 minutes because I just lose, I don't know what to pray about. Pray the prayers of the Bible. That sheet in there will keep you praying easy for an hour to see all the different ways the apostles and disciples and Jesus prayed for things. It is super exciting just to read, at least for me, I guess maybe, uh, super exciting just to see how uh, people prayed. And, and we know that these people are lovers of God and so close to God that if we pray of how they prayed in the Bible, again, it's just, just coming closer to be, to be lining up with God's will. And so there's amazing things like unity and love and, and the power of God. Like, it's, it's an incredible way to pray. If you find yourself getting bored in your prayer life, grab one of those sheets, and it'll just reinvent the way you pray. And here's how some people prayed in the Bible. Uh, Paul says, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. I mean, Paul's the guy who wrote a lot of the books of our New Testament. Uh, he, he was pretty in line with God's will, and he didn't pray this because, you know, God's not going to He knew that God would answer these kind of prayers. Or Paul in Romans 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites, is that they may be saved. Are you praying for those around you who, who don't know Jesus? Acts 4, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, to pray for courage and boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus, that, that not only the message we spoken, but the, the, the kingdom would be demonstrated through power. I mean, a lot of people in this area, I mean, they, they want power. That's why they go to Ouija boards in the New Age. They're trying to find where is the power. I tell them, Jesus has the power. There is power in the name of Jesus. And to pray that that would be demonstrated and shown to people is an important way to pray, as they did in the book of Acts. We won't read this, but we see long prayers of confession. That we confess our sin and confess the sin of our church and, and of our community, that we just have a humble heart before God in prayer. And finally, last one, that we need to know God's heart and where he's working. The more we know God's heart and the more we know where he's working and we begin to pray into those areas where God is working, the more answered prayer we're going to see. I mean, if God is working here and we're spending all our energy over here, we're not going to see a lot of answered prayer, but if we begin to see that oh, God is working here and we join with him through prayer, that's when you begin to see stuff happen. It's the whole Henry Blackaby experiencing God is to look for where God is working and you join in with him because that's where God is working. And it's how Jesus lived, John 5. I tell you the truth, the son, of, the son can do nothing by himself. 
He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. And this got to be all of our hearts. That our heart would be that we can do nothing by ourselves. That we only do what we see the Father doing. That whatever the Father is doing, we are doing. That the Father loves us, and he does. And God is showing us and revealing stuff because we have a heart for him. I mean, if you find yourself just living a life that is distant from Jesus, you're going to miss out on where he's working. God might be working in someone's life at work, and, and your attention is just over here. God might be working in your marriage over here, but your attention is over here. We need to be in line with God. And the way we align ourselves with God is just to continually surrender to him. To be reading his word, to be coming to where we can worship corporately and, and be built up corporately. And then we get sent out and we love people and we serve people. And we just have this ear where we're always looking, God, where are you working? And if you begin to pray into those places where you see God working, you will see more answered prayer. And last verse. We see this in Paul. Acts 14. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, and he saw that he had faith to be healed. Now, how did he see he had faith to be healed? Uh, it was probably he saw something in the spirit or he just had an inclination or saw something. But either way, Paul was in tune with God. God is like, Paul is like, God is doing something in that person's life. And what does Paul do? He joins him with where God is working and prays. He calls out, stand up on your feet. That's the weird thing about biblical prayers about healing. It just freaks you out because they're all really bold prayers, all of them. And he called, he called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man, the man jumped up again to walk. This person was healed because Paul was just listening to God. God, where are you working? And he sees someone whom God is working in his life. And Paul says, I'm going to pray for him. Could you imagine if all of us just left from here? And he's all weaker saying, God, where are you working? God, whose life are you working? Who, is there something you want me to pray for? God, are you touching that person? Do you want me to, to, to you, just, you just always, God, show me where. And when you see God working, that's when we begin to pray into it. I'll tell you, the more you can line up with God's heart and where he is working, the more answered prayer you're going to see. Next week, we're going to talk about the role of faith. That your faith, other people's faith, it is a variable in whether prayer is answered or not. God's will is by far the biggest one, and so we need to work to keep aligning ourselves with God so that we pray according to His will. I'm going to the worship team up for our last song, and, and let us pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you, God, that you're a God who answers prayer. God, we thank you that you uh, change the story through prayer. And God, we pray that you would uh, encourage us this week to be people of prayer, that you would encourage us this week, God, to, to have a keen eye to see where you're working. God, I pray for anyone in this room who is feeling distant from you. God is not feeling the move of your spirit in their life and, and has a hard time, God, seeing where you're working. I pray, God, you would, you would pour out your spirit in a new way upon them. God, I pray you would give them a fresh passion to, to seek after you and to love you and to worship you and to, and to run after you, God, with their whole heart and their mind. God, we want to see more answer to prayer in our church. And so we pray, God, that you would continue to shape us by your will. God, that you would help us be praying more and more in line, God, with your will and your ways and the passion and purposes of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that you are so amazing. 
and you are so great, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.